and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Hello. No, not good night. Oh, it my is bad. not the end. We are beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Yes. We have listeners in Jakarta. Cool. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Our friendship circle is growing. Little shout out to Jakarta then. Constance in the neighborhood you never thought had a connection. But when you see it, it makes total sense. You don't you have no idea what I have I'm no idea what you just said. I said con Constance. Is that a person? No, not a oh. person. The constants, like it's consistent. Like okay. the constant thing that you're used to in the neighborhood, you never thought had a connection. Like two different things okay. that happen. Two different things that are a constant in life. Am I saying it right? English is not my first language. Um, yeah, not? it's not bad. But constants is also a name. It's I not know. Very, it's not it's a very a common name. one. So you're, you had me. Mm. How would you say it? How would you say it? I would probably say things that are consistent. Oh, right. I don't like that, though. Never mind. Things that are a constant. That, is that wrong? No, not at all. Please. I need Wendy. Please go. <clears throat> Wendy, what is it? Anyway, she's not here. She's too shy to be interviewed or to be on it as a guest. Anyway, two things. A, two. If you pick two things in the neighborhood, within the community... That are a constant. If you never thought. It, it, <laughs> see, now I'm all mixed up. Two things. The constant in the neighborhood. You never thought had a connection. If you take two things that are consistent in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That you never connected. Right. Like they are not going to cross. Like it didn't even cross your mind. Right. But when you see it, it makes total sense. Have you ever had an epiphany like that? Like, oh my God. Kind of like, why are those two people friends? Or like us, how are they married? <laughs> Hectic. Well, I mean, we're radically different. Look at us. We are? I mean, you can't look at us, but I mean. We're you, both we, crazy. Okay, so. I would take early, early walks. By the way, I'm starting this. Of course, by now you all know this is a nugget from Santa Monica. Thank you. I would take early, early walks in the neighborhood. Right when the sun was coming up. Mm -hmm. And everything w had just settled maybe two hours before. Because as you remember, things didn't settle down until 2.30 in the morning. Right. And then there were some crazy stragglers that were still hanging around drunk. Rugby. Throwing things around. And yeah, if there was a soccer tournament that with a time difference. In Ireland. They started partying at four in the morning. There was always some sort of happening. I think wherever we've lived, because we've kind of been like nomads, wherever we go, there is that time right when the sun's about to come up 
where everything is quiet. Right. Even the birds are looking and everybody's in reverence, you know, like quiet. It is a, a holy, divine, quiet experience. Well, during one of these moments, I was walking on the boardwalk and our neighborhood pretty much straddled Venice Beach and Santa Monica. So the Venice neighborhood in Santa Monica, you could literally have one foot in each was where we lived, where I lived at the time. You hadn't moved there yet. It was a few years before we met. So I'm walking on the boardwalk. I'm on the Venice side and the Venice side was more rowdy. I, I was looking around a little bit more cautiously because I don't know, you heard about bizarre things happening, peculiar things, but not peculiar like, oh, that's interesting. Like, look out for that needle. <laughs> Watch where you're stepping. Do you know what I mean? It was like... Yeah, no, I totally get it. Okay. Um, so I'm walking and the air is crisp and it's delicious and everything is quiet and everything has this beautiful hue of pink and orange and you can hear the ocean waves. And the birds are just starting to tweet, tweet. And I heard something peculiar, peculiar as in it was not a constant in that mode that I was in. I heard something that was different and it was whispering. And I started to look around. I'm like, what is that whispering? And you know, early in the mornings, one of the constant things in the neighborhood was all the deliveries to the restaurants would come right and quietly deliver the bread the milk you know like all the things that the restaurants needed to prep for mm -hmm. <clears throat> one of the constant things in the neighborhood was the pioneer truck the the bread delivery it was called pioneer <clears throat> and so i'm looking around and there i see the pioneer truck it was on, on the boardwalk so it's a sidewalk it's for pedestrians only but big deliveries had to use that to deliver right before the people started walking mm -hmm. before it got crowded i see the pioneer truck i walk towards where the whispering is happening mm -hmm. and i get closer and the whispering is louder and louder so i'm getting closer to whatever's happening i'm behind the pioneer truck and i look like i kind of peek over and another constant figure in our community was this man um he was a friend he was a total constant in the neighborhood and everyone knew him as jesus right now maybe he was born with jesus i don't know but he went by jesus one of my friends was the manager of the coffee shop and he had a thing about this guy, Jesus, and he would yell at him every time he saw him. Jesus, would you stop that? You know, like, it was crazy funny, <laughs> the, the back and forth oh, between dear. them. Jesus was always quiet, by the way. You never heard him speak. I never did. And one day he even had a cross that he was carrying. It was a huge cross. He had it over his shoulders and he was walking around. And my friend Anthony was... A devout Catholic and he would get mad at him if he saw something like that so he would start yelling at him from across the street it was all these interactions were just what made our neighborhood so sweet to me like it was just you know even if we yelled at each other sweet even if we yelled at each other yes sweet it was pure love do you know, do you know what I mean it was just loving anyway so 
I peer over quietly and respectfully. I didn't want to invade any privacy, but I just wanted, for some reason, the whispering was calling me too. Like, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. And I look over and I see Jesus. He And he's sitting on the ground leaning against um, the wall on the boardwalk. I see him and I see the pioneer delivery man kneeling on one knee and they were holding hands and they were praying. Do you get the magnificence of that? It blew me away. Right. Well, honestly, see, for me personally, first thing in the morning, I used to ride like a little fiend. First thing in the morning is where I developed my theory that says people who are up and out and about before 8 a.m., 9 a.m. on a weekend, nine times out of 10, they're nice. They're the only ones who will say hello. I think that the, the mean people come out later. And where I started, my theory was I took off from my apartment. I was living in West L.A. I rode my bike to Dodger Stadium. Just boom. And that's like going straight through L.A. First thing in the morning, no traffic. Saturday, rode to Dodger Stadium. Got turned away at the gates, of course, because you can't. I, was, I wanted to touch Dodger Stadium, but they didn't let me. But anyways... But everybody was totally nice, and then I, I think I probably went somewhere for coffee or something. That's where I really started to really think through. Generally speaking, before 9 a.m., anybody on a weekend, anybody who's out and about, generally going to be a nice person. Yeah, we always talk about that. And when we're out and about, especially with the kids, we're like, all right, let's go home because the mean people are going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> mean as in, like you say hello to them and you never get a response. Right. Well, yeah. Not even I, eye contact. What I mean is it's not like nice versus mean. It's like super nice versus everybody. Yeah. So right. the super nice people are out. The super ones early who in the are wanting the connection or who welcome the connection. Like you're walking and they actually look at you. Right. And it's a genuine smile, not just the stretching right. of the lips right. to, to bear the teeth, you know? Right, and it's not just a hey, hey. It is genuine. It is authentic. Right. And also then first thing in the morning, because things are much more quiet, especially in a place as crowded as L.A. or Santa Monica can be, there's a certain reverence in that, in that all the, all the sound is way turned down and there's not very many people. And so I think you're much more free to show your true self. Mm. Because only the super nice people are going to see it. I miss those days. I feel and they're like they're going to be kind. I um, you know, we don't even really have sidewalks where we live. It's it's rare, right? <laughs> right. Isn't that interesting? Ever since we moved away from Santa Monica, sidewalks are a rare deal wherever we've moved to. So the just walking about, it's 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 a little different. It's challenging. Right. What yeah, because you're either walking on someone's yard or you're walking in the street or you're... Yeah, and I guess I this it. is a prelude to what I'm going to talk about. We're going to have some prominent architects on, and I want to talk about how architecture structures our relationships, right? How the structures in our right. society have structured our relationships, mm -hmm. from the park benches to sidewalks to buildings. The way they're designed, the way they're placed is just... You know, you've heard me ever since you've been with me. I always complain about it. Right. Like the park benches here as opposed to the park benches in Europe or in South American countries. It's a totally different deal. But 
Anyway, I think of Jesus and the pioneer bread guy. I think right. about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that that has imprinted in me with it's associated with the sunrise and just the magnificence of the morning and the faith in humanity. Right. Well, I think even if you're an atheist and an agnostic, watching the sunrise with that stillness, it's really hard not to at least consider the possibilities. And seeing two people you never thought had a connection, seeing that, that, that is to me as magical as watching the sunrise, that connection between people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Whatever they were praying for, I could feel and sense and see something big was happening and it was beautiful. Right. Today's show, did my phone just chirp? Your phone just chirped. (laughs) Today is... The focus of today is peculiar. And of course, you know, now I'm starting to look things up and really dive deep in what things mean. Peculiar. Hmm. I don't even like the look of it because the last part of the word to me screams liar. What is that about? Right. And also when I think about peculiar, it's like, is it spelled P-E-R-C or P-E-C? Like, is it peculiar or is it peculiar? I know, right? I'm kind of nervous about how I'm pronouncing it. Peculiar. 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 (laughs) P-E-C-U-L-I-A-R. How do you spell liar? liar. That is how you spell liar, right? Yeah, that's one. Well, yeah, that's the spelling you're thinking of. There's also the musical instrument, but let's let's not get distracted. True. Okay. Peculiar. Strange or odd. Unusual. Strange or odd. Unusual. Two. Particular. Special. All right. I was actually listening to Seth Godin, and he was talking about this, right? Wait, who's Seth Godin? Seth Godin? You don't know Seth Godin? Seriously, you're trying to get my goat, right? He's well, like a super genius marketing guy. He's a marketing guy who many people attribute the Man, a, attribute like, of super geniusness to. Everybody worships him. Right. right. No, no, no. And I get it. I get it. You know, I'm sure he's had some wild successes. But welcome into my world where all the rules change all the time. So staying ahead of it and being number one for any length of time it will be tricky. Yeah. I mean, I... I started to learn about Seth Godin a few years ago, Mm -hmm. and I think because I was part of entrepreneurship programs here and there, and and then I I don't know, um, every time I looked at a YouTube, there was Seth Godin, and all these Seth Godin books. This is what he said. He said, levels of humanity that's not in the playbook. The level of humanity that's not in the playbook, that was his... That, that was what jumped out when, um, actually he was talking about, I don't know what he was talking about. It was one of those YouTube things I was looking at, <laughs> but it centered around peculiar. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that peculiar actually originates from the Latin word for cattle. It means private property. You own the cattle. Peculiar means you are in and out of yourself. That's what I wrote down. Any, any sense on what that means? Well, okay, so if we want to talk about peculiar with regard to cattle, typically cattle herd, they 
like to stay, and this is again my belief, okay, so please farmers out there, feel free to lambast me, but don't be kind. But cattle like to be in herds, they like to be close to one another, they don't like to be off on their own. So I could see where maybe cattle comes into it because a peculiar cattle is probably one that might be sick or something might be going on with. So we have to be careful there. Oh my God. Right? I never thought about it like that. Um, you know, mad cow disease, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my God. You know, and I'm sure there's all kinds of bovine diseases that can occur, right? Hey, look at me. I'm pulling out. I'm pulling out some interesting words. Well, you're going towards disease. I'm just thinking I'd probably be one of the cattle that's like, I'm out of here, man. I'm well, not going along with you. And there you go. Right. <laughs> but but typically, what is it? The Judas goat leads the cattle into the slaughter. So anyways, let's change that subject very quickly. And let's talk about in and out. Right. All right. Go ahead. So I know certainly. So I know how to do the opposite of being peculiar, which is to blend in. I wish I could do that. So I can blend in and I can make people believe that they know all about me because I'll say very comfortable things to say. I'm reasonably good at that because I'm reasonably good at reading people. But I got to say that when I'm, I can go in and out so I can be part of the herd and then I can also be out of the herd. And so in many ways, I'm kind of in and out, particularly if I'm really working on a challenging idea or I'm looking at something that no one else is looking at, et cetera, et cetera. I'm pondering something no one else is really pondering. There's a certain comfort in being with the people, but then there's also a huge amount of satisfaction being outside, being the outsider kind of looking in. And so that's where I draw the in and out from. I really like that. I wish I could blend in. Even with words, even if I don't speak, I, I don't, I can't blend in. Do you know what I mean? Well, like you have if, to make the right grunts and uh-huh, huh? I don't think it's possible for me to do that. I gotcha. And I think that's why I, I always get fired from big corporate jobs Completely or, you know, like I, I'm not the straight and narrow. I'm not the herd. Right. I'm. You know what I heard as a child, a black sheep. <laughs> See, for me... And I'm, I don't even know it's peculiar. I don't even know. But I've never been able to go with the masses. I've never been able to go with the crew or whatever you call it. I look, I, I stick out like a sore thumb, probably. March to the beat of a different drummer. Um, that has really negative connotations to it, too. Right, you, they march to the beat of their own drummer means they're little wacko. I shouldn't use that word. I'm sorry. It just means that it, there's a problem. <laughs> and and that's just it. That's how you choose to define it. However, it's it's the it's the forgive me. It's the Edisons. It's the Teslas. It's the Henry Fords. It's the we can even talk about the Zuckerbergs. It's about the odd ducks. Edison was an odd duck. He was odd enough. No. The Tesla people will lambast me for that. But I lambast you for that. I'm a Tesla person. Right, exactly. How, why How would you dare you? I was gonna say that. Carnegie, even though he was he was again an a-hole. I'm not saying these people were nice people. No, but Edison blended in that I'm I'm not I, He I'm was trying one not to who use could jump words. in and out. Oh. Okay. Did he? Yes. he never really jumped out. He was always in with the crowd. That's how he got his money. He managed to communicate and, of course, mess with Tesla. That was his, that's his, historically. You can't put Edison and Tesla together. Uh, unfortunately, they worked 
but you can't put them together. I'm, I Anyways, feel so angry with Edison. Let's not dwell on that too much, but let's really talk about... This should be the other way around. You should be offended by that, not me. You're the science guy. You're the geeky guy right. with technology. Hey, look, look. You know, I don't understand this. It, it's What's heart happening? versus head here, okay? I'm, I'm talking from the head here and not the heart. It's All the right. logical side, okay? Yeah. But I'm saying it's the peculiar people who push society forward. It's the guy who said, hey, hey, stop eating that raw meat. Look at this. I've got fire. I cooked the meat. Look, it, it tastes different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the shepherd who went to grab their cheese that had rotted, who actually tried it kind of like an idiot and said, wow, this cheese is really good. And hence we have the blue cheeses and the roperts and the, the moldy cheeses. You know, it's these types of people who are willing to or stand a little bit outside the peculiar people who push things forward. Right. I agree with you. Now, we can't have too many of them. I Well, then you become the masses, right? Then you become like everyone's now a vegan. Or you, or, or you have a massively fractured society. And a certain amount of fracturing is healthy. Too much is very bad. How is it fractured? How are you going there? If everybody is so completely on different pages on everything, how do you mm. get them to agree? How do you get them to communicate? How do you get them to build a society? Will you get them to communicate? Because if you are radically different, that means, to, in my mind, you're all scholars. You're all thinking of different things. And that's, that's, how, that's how the Middle East was constructed. Like all these different religions, they were all scholars, you know. You call them the caliphs or the caliphs. I don't know how you pronounce it in English, but the temples were places like libraries where they all studied medicine and and everything. Right. right. And we can get into those theories of the elites versus the population. But what I'm saying is there's a reason why Tesla died penniless. And there's a reason why Edison's heirs probably still have oodles of money. And what's the reason? Well... Because they were able to blend. Edison was able to go in and out. Does that mean I'm doomed, honey? No, that doesn't mean it you're doomed. It does. It does. It doesn't mean you're doomed. Ugh. If Facebook hadn't have taken off, where would Zuckerberg be today? In a mental ward? Don't know. Honestly, couldn't <laughs> tell you. Alone? Again, couldn't tell you. Well, what do you do when you try really hard to do the blending in like me? Okay, here's my point. The peculiar. It's easy to spot a peculiar. But I have two points to make to this. Sometimes it's easy to spot the peculiar. Actually, most times it is easy to spot the peculiar. But I had a professor. I want to talk about this later. But like, I'll bring it around to my college professor, Hank Wessel, who showed us that it's the simple stuff that we ignore is actually the most peculiar if you really look at it but you ignore it but it's there and i guess that's that would be kind of like not standing out right that blends into society kind of peculiar however on the other side of it i just feel like so much of society teaches us to be a certain way and it strong arms us to blend in and not be authentically ourselves. For yes. example, on a superficial level, we've moved, you and I have moved from town to town over the last decade, mm-hmm. decade and a half. Right. Enough to notice from town to town, people look identical 
to one another in that in within that town. Like when we lived in Marin County for the couple minutes that we were there. Shout out. Oh, no shout out. I do not. <laughs> no I, out. I'm, I still feel rage about Mill Valley. Like people there. I mean, what is your problem? Seriously. the I, I remember when we when we moved to the area, you know, around San Francisco, I that's when I started to out loud talk to myself because there was no one else to talk to me. First of all, everyone ignored me because they thought I was the help. And then the help ignored me because they knew I wasn't the help. So I couldn't make friends with anybody. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So anyway, what was I saying? I it was the first time I was talking out loud and I and I kept I remember being in the grocery store I'm like what happened nice <laughs> what happened what what happened to my San Francisco because I went to college there when I was young and uh, it was pretty cool and I was friends with the cable car drivers who would have me get on when it was packed with people because they knew I was late for school do you know what I mean like no 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 and I get it but keep in mind Marin County is different than San Francisco for starters. I understand. I'm just saying we rolled into San Francisco and that's when I started to notice San Francisco changed. What happened? Right. Why are they so angry? These people, I could sense, obviously this was before 2016 when things started to really manifest and become um, noticeable to normal people. But I started to notice there is rage bubbling here. Right. And I started to right. notice it on Bainbridge Island. I talked about this on the very, very first episode we did called The Mentor, describing why we started this movement, why we started Our Friendly World. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just was noticing the bubbling of rage. It was, it was starting to boil. And I would tell you about it, but you're like, no, no. You would say it was my imagination, right? I'm like, well, maybe you're right. Okay, well, I come up with the excuse for sure you because always, I don't yeah, want to. Do I don't want to live in that world. Anyway, but within this town, within Mill Valley, I started to notice that all the women had the same haircut, and they were not friends. They all had a very similar look, like they all went to one hairdresser. And Mill Valley is a very affluent area, and there are many hairdressers. But why are all these women? looking exactly the same. They even had a uniform. It was the whole, you know, the yoga pant and the t-shirt uniform, or it didn't matter. Even if they weren't wearing that, it was, the colors were the same. The style was the same. The haircut was the same. It was very weird to me. It was very, everyone looked the same. And I, and I know that sounds incredibly generalistic. Is that a word? Generalized incredibly generalized but do you know what i'm trying to say yes i blame i blame automobile manufacturers what why can't why is every single car offered in of course they don't call it this but black white gray or silver um boom and then if you're lucky they'll throw in a blue and a maroon and a i mean why it used to be american cars you could get any color of the rainbow anyone you would just say oh competition orange or you would literally bring in a paint swatch and they would match it this is way back and i've heard in like the 60s and 70s but like all the cars look the same all the colors of the cars look the same and there's a certain comfort in that anonymity and you know it's it's the automakers i think who are 
playing to that because they always have to be 10 years ahead or so because that's how they design cars. But, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, we, we, we really love our car, but all the, all the colors were monochromatic. You know, I, I don't think we could have scored our car in a red or a blue, <laughs> which is sad. There's a whole design aspect. You think we're controlled by finance, right? You think that will be the way to control the population. But it's really interesting how design plays a role in it, too. And this also takes me to homeschooling. Why did we choose to homeschool? We didn't want to be part of this factory-based, you know, cookie-cutter, everyone cram in here like an assembly line, and this is what we're going to feed you. Get out. You know, we wanted our kids to explore all cultures and explore many languages they're multilingual now they are way advanced with math and art and everything that we possibly can study right we are not doing the cookie cutter version and that's why but everything seems to be that way this conformity right why is that happening it's for control is it for not to sound like a total uh, conspiracy for comfort you know the city i grew up in and this would be whenever this was an interesting amount of time ago. But the whole city was like an HOA. You couldn't paint your house anything other than an earth tone. And now there, how do and, we get away from that? How little, can we? And little HOAs now do similar stuff. But this was a quote unquote planned community, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, there are things like you have to get approval for additions and stuff to your house. And I get that. But this was the next level. And this is kind of the kind of stuff HOAs, you know, took a look at, like hedges can only be so high and you certainly couldn't have, you had to get special permission to have cars parked on the street. Now, who is controlling all this? Well, it's people who want the town to always look pretty. All right. So this is the exact episode that we're going to do with the architects. This is what I want to get into. I feel like there's so many areas that we really need to explore this conversation is so important. I really want to talk about this. I want to talk about every offshoot of what is coming up mm-hmm. today that we're talking about. Bringing it back in to, I, I mean, it's deep. Why Why do these women look the same? And we thought, okay, maybe it's just Mill Valley. But then moving to Boulder, Colorado, then we noticed the men all look the same. And, and sadly, the men look like how I look now. And this is how I've looked. No, you don't look like them, babe. No. These My guys... hair's not curly enough, but I've got the mustache. I've got the beard. No, first of all, they I've have got the, the hair that's a little shaggy and a no, little long. No, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. They have the big, bushy beard. Well, I can't grow right? one of those. That's what I'm saying. You don't look like them. I can't grow a big, There's bushy beard. There's a bolder caricature Aesthetic. of a guy that like for me it's a car everything's a cartoon mm-hmm. but i'm like oh my god all the men look the same <laughs> same dress same bushy beards when we first moved here everyone had the top knots you know like <laughs> do you know what i mean and i i don't know it's just very bizarre to me there's a certain comfortableness in anonymity but what i'm trying to say is it also has seeped into the arts if you look at actresses i've noticed this for a very long time they all look the same they may come out and have their own identity but then they're made to they're polished into a certain look so from my perspective jennifer lopez had her look right 
Right, absolutely. And even Jennifer Lopez got really polished. And now a lot of women polished enough. Okay, so she she has this look now. And most women are now looking like Jennifer Lopez. It's that, you know, they could, it would take for me, because obviously I'm very visually oriented mm -hmm. and I love analyzing faces. When I see pictures, it will take me a few seconds to figure out who it is I'm looking at. <laughs> because not only are they polished and they're coiffed a certain way. Right. Again, it's the same hairdo, the same kind of makeup style, mm -hmm. same clothing, you know, style where I can't distinguish who is this person. And if it's not, it goes beyond that. It, it's also the way they're Photoshopped too. They all look the same. It's a cookie cutter. To me, it's disturbing. Well, yes, I would say by and large, it feels like there are certain archetypes and there's a certain element of, oh, I saw this actor in this movie and they're in this movie and they're kind of the same person. Oh my God. Okay. Well, which leads me to, I wanted to talk about Cary Grant as an example. I came across something he said, he was talking about when you're a movie star, people want that movie star version of you. And if you veer away from that, they get very upset. So your fans want to see you as that Cary Grant they're used to. Right. And if you go and play some other character, that's radically different. They are not happy. Right. Or heaven forbid you have a social life that is reported and doesn't right. make you look, it doesn't adhere to this, this thought. I get it. It takes you to a Deanne Arbus kind of aesthetic. Deanne Arbus, one of my favorite photographers in history, when you look at her pictures, everything is peculiar to the point where it looks scary. Like it's disturbing, right? Okay. These are just normal people but her shots are hauntingly disturbing. Mm -hmm. It just feels like, I don't know. It, um, people, like, people want comfort. People want comfort in all things. And people have an unwillingness to be challenged, I think, on some level. But I, as a person who I guess feels peculiar, and I would like to become part of the party, the main party, like, Hey, can I come in? Like, can I join you guys? Okay. Not that I want to be a joiner, but it would be nice to not be the shutout. Like the, <laughs> like, I know I'm over here like by myself, but I'm like, Hey, right. I want to play too. No, no, no. And I completely get that. It's like, it's like, to me, society is built very much like high school. And I think the thing about it is, is finding your tribe and finding these people who resonate to the same frequency that you do. And sometimes you've got everything in common and sometimes you dress alike and sometimes you have very little in common, but those things run deep. It just feels very superficial to me and I can't jive with that. Well, I have to say most most, if not all, casual friendships are extremely superficial. That's why I don't have casual friendships. Right. I cannot do it. Right. However, most of the relationships, are and, and there's the crux of it, right? Because most friendships at work are very casual. 
and they tend to disappear when you leave a job. There's very, been very few instances, and I've had very successful relationships with the people I've worked with, but there's only been a few instances where we've managed to carry it away from the job. Either they leave, I leave, or I we both leave. I think that's the way it is because people are not being authentic, and authenticity really scares people. So oh, yeah, going back to going back to Seth Godin, he said something that really made me sad and made me feel like, you know what, Seth Godin, I don't want to listen to you right now. Oh dear. But he was talking about being authentic, and he said, "What did he say? He said, you don't want the authentic." You don't, that's not, don't do that. You don't want the authentic. And I was thinking to myself, what the hell? And he said, he, he used an example. He said, if you go to a Jay-Z concert, you, you don't want the authentic Jay-Z. If Jay-Z is having a bad day, you want the Jay-Z you paid to listen to, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. But excuse me, that is art. If someone is singing or is whatever if they're expressing themselves you better give me the authentic because if if you're so there's feeling behind singing there's feeling behind poetry there's feeling behind photography there's feeling behind paintings there's feeling behind cooking I, we can cook the same things you and i could cook the same exact recipe mine will taste different than yours it's kind of like the movie like water for chocolate mm-hmm she would cook something and she was sad. And when people ate her cooking while she was crying, they started crying. Right. You know, it transfers into everything. It's a huge And you're absolutely effect. right. But let's talk about music. Okay. And let me just gloss over this one quick incident. Movie Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap loses their lead singer or loses their guitarist. And they do an experimental jazz thing and they get lambasted for it. Because Spinal Tap is seen in this particular way. But if you take a look at a band and you take a look at, let's take a look at the Beatles. So the Beatles recorded the song Twist and Shout. Okay, great song. It's very hard to find a Beatles song that isn't great or defining or the rest of it. It turns out that they ended up, and I think it was on their first album, and they ended up recording that at the end of each session every day because it would thrash the voice of, uh, I think Lennon sang that one it would thrash John Lennon's voice to sing it more than twice, and he wouldn't be able to have all these lovely harmonies and all the other songs. So as a performer, and I'm recording an album, how many times do I sing Love Me Do? And I have to bring a certain amount of authenticity to it every single time. But that's the beauty of a live concert and is yes. you want that authentic. If you're having a bad day and you're interpreting that song based on that day, I want to hear that. Otherwise, I'd go home and listen to whatever recording is already there of it. And when you take a look at a band like The Grateful Dead or you take a look at, you know, one of these much more, I, I guess, people might consider out there bands, Grateful Dead never did the same set list ever. However, a band like, I'm guessing Jay-Z, but I'll, I'll go to my particular space, power metal bands tend to, in a concert, they tend to do the same set list every single day and in some cases it's a 13 to 15 month tour wow and it's because those are the songs they've polished those are the songs that they'll sound different than they did in the studio because they learn them better particularly if it's a quote-unquote new song they learn them better they figure out different things 
but concerts by and large are very choreographed. It's it's about the show. It's it's a whole experience and it's meant to suck you in and you want that to be as good as it can possibly be. For me, for something to be as good as it possibly could be is to reveal your authentic self. To reveal exactly the emotion. And I know there's the extreme when I say this. People are like, well, when you say hi and you run into someone on the street, mm-hmm. you say, hey, how are you? You don't want to just unleash all the horror that you just went through with something, quite possibly. Right. right? But there, yeah, there is a fine line. Like I was talking to some friends of mine about this and yeah you don't want to scare these people and tell them of all the horror that's inside of you right when they ask you hey how are you doing today do you know what i mean absolutely but but you can't say you know what oh man i don't even know how are you (laughs) do you know what i mean like you don't have to say fine you're absolutely right and Um, and you're you're, again absolutely right however Can oh, you hold ahead. on? Can you hold that thought? Go ahead. Are you able to not forget that thought? Can I just interject yes. something? Go. What I'm trying to say is because our society has been so divisive and it's been so we we've been so fractured with our relationships. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been enough talking. There hasn't been enough sharing. So yeah, we all want to jump in there and to be authentic. And if we were to be authentic, all this. Um, all the cobwebs could be shown all of a sudden and you don't want that you don't want that level of authenticity right you you want to ease people and you don't it it, it shouldn't be so harsh but it, it it ends up being that way because we have not been talking to each other and when we do it's like hey how you doing how are you fine how are you cool bye and that's considered a relationship, like how we noticed on Bainbridge Island. It was like that. Well, that is how right? some people consider relationships. Yes, absolutely. What I'm trying to say is that we're not used to it anymore. And if we had more fluidity with our interactions, that the cobwebs wouldn't be there anymore. So you can completely be authentic. I think. Can you? Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, case in point, see, I'll get back to my point. So quarterback for the Steelers, I'm yeah, not a Steelers fan. Uh, I respect them for sure, but the quarterback, the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, and he's had a challenging history. Don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the press interview where somebody asked him how he felt about playing football. And he said, well, you know, getting a little tired, arm doesn't feel as strong. Boom. He said that. And this was a couple of years ago and he is still playing. He got shellacked over that. By who? Who shellacked him? Everybody. Steelers fans, Steelers foes, the press, friends, you name it. But you know what? If more people were that way, he wouldn't get shellacked. That's what I'm trying to talk about with the cobwebs. If we are used to being... One person cannot be the only one that's peculiar sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. And that was the problem here. That's a conversation he never should have unleashed on a, on a reporter of great scoop, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't something he should have unleashed at that moment. It was something he should have kept private, talked about with his loved ones, his inner circle, his friends, his et cetera. But he was moved to talk about it. 
in the same way because that he needed to because he probably i don't know this man mm -hmm. but that usually happens when you exceed your capacity to hold things in you need to talk to someone right. and yeah the only one that's talking to you could be a reporter and as a human being i totally get it you need to express that because that right there is saying hey i'm carrying this burden i need my fellow human to understand that and help me help me carry it now i can see i don't know this man and i don't know what happened but so what that he said this it doesn't mean he's weak it doesn't mean that he's not going to pull his stuff together because he released some of this baggage he probably has more capacity to really get strong and destroy the other team well i bet you a dollar he wished he never said it well that's what's wrong with our society right there right and that's what's wrong from my perspective with our corporations but by the same token a somewhat different yet related problem i think we have in our society is that we're so into tearing down our heroes and it's it frankly it, it turns out to be super easy to tear down our heroes who is there to emulate now maybe the reason why heroes are torn down is because we feel that pain that they're experiencing so in a way it's kind of in a in a really messed up way because there's the lack of know-how in expressing your emotions that you will turn to this person you see as weak all of a sudden it's not really weakness to begin with but because they also feel pain they'll put all their focus on this person that said that what i'm trying to say is usually the people that point to someone and say ha ha they're the ones who are actually that themselves it, it seems off tangent um, i don't know how to explain I'm this i'm agreeing with you the only thing i the only way maybe you could help me come up with an example that's good but like if you look at politicians that say oh if if you live this way this is wrong this is this is wrong it should be illegal and this is immoral but then sure enough they're caught in some bathroom with that same behavior well yeah televangelists in the <laughs> in the 20th century were certainly lambasted for this it seemed like on a fairly frequent basis what example would you use as far as what i'm trying to say is this is why people turn uh, people turn against someone right that because, is, uh, because no one can live up to that uh the pedestal we like to put our heroes on why do we why does society want to rip these people off of the pedestal i'm thinking it's because of what they're feeling about themselves there's hate for themselves and they see themselves in this person and they want to knock it down really they're it's about how they're feeling right yeah no 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 argument there I mean, for sure, absolutely. I just, for me personally, and we've talked about this, how someone can be really good in one aspect and flawed in others. I really wish I could discover someone who was worth emulating, who is humongously popular. Typically, the people we strive to emulate are uh, neighbors, our parents, our friends, and that kind of thing. 
but it would be nice if there was like a universal figure that everybody knew that you could point at. I don't think that has ever, ever existed. I mean, look at what they did to Jesus, you know? I'm not religious like that, but people will just tear down. Well, yeah, no, 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 and that's, that's again, the issue, but... Um, and the real issue is insecurity. Recently, General Chuck Yeager passed, and from all accounts and I've ever heard about the man, definitely worth emulating. First man to break the sound barrier. First thing he did, he thanked his team. Every opportunity he had, he said, yeah, I'm just the body strapped in. And, you know, it's, it's the people doing the math, even though he ended up doing an interesting amount of that sophisticated math. Very humble. And that's peculiar in our society. That is peculiar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in what ways are you peculiar? Oh, my God. You know what? I don't think that's a question you can actually answer for yourself. It is a tricky question to answer for yourself, but... Do you want me to answer through, it for you? Through exhaustive study of how people deal with me. <laughs> uh, people have a hard time with my, I like things to be discussed. Honestly, honestly, and this is the part that tweaks everybody, don't care what the decision is. But I like the fact that the decision is come to by someone who should be making this decision. So should the background of the website be red or green? Well... Initially, people might say, eh, it doesn't matter. It does, as it turns out, a huge amount. But the fact that you get people coming together saying, we think red is the right thing, I'm very comfortable with that. And honestly, don't care if it's red, don't care if it's green. And that's a terrible example, but that's one peculiarity that drives people a little nutty because they honestly believe that I care about the decision where I care about the process. So that's kind of a big one. You also have the ability to see really like 30 steps ahead. And when, when you say something initially, it seems like, what are you doing, Matt? That doesn't make any sense. You don't know what you're talking about. I feel like that's what sometimes happens, but knowing you right. as long as I have and seeing what you've done with projects and how you've created things, I know now your peculiarity one of your gifts is you really see how tesla like could how tesla would meditate and his mind come up with exactly tiny tiny step by step how something will be constructed and mm -hmm. how something's going to work you do the same thing and you're way ahead you're 30 steps ahead and people don't understand that Right, which of course Until is they do. peculiar. But by the right. time they get to where I start, yeah, they've already convinced themselves that they got themselves there. Oh my God, that makes me crazy. Yeah, it is what it is. It's, it's not right it's, though. It's about the team. It's not about the me. You know, if you want to go, it is if, about... you, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with the team. Okay. Well, can you tell me what's peculiar about me? <laughs> Well, it isn't I, I peculiar. Everything? I mean, literally, like, the way you take in information. The way you... What? How is that, how is that different? so meticulous about everything. Are you pointing to the jars that need to face the same direction? That one isn't. That's because... She, she, she just darted and looked like, what? 
How dare you? <laughs> That's because you touched it or the kids will move it. On purpose, I think. You guys drive me nuts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, there. Fixed it. Dear. Yeah, but anyways. But how is it that I... I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to make this about me. Never mind. Well, I guess have a conversation. The fact you can't follow step-by-step -step directions, a.k.a. a recipe. Oh, I can't. And then why am I so in love with recipe books, cookbooks? <gasps> people, I love cookbooks the way people or men or whoever get <laughs> porn. Hey. <laughs> like magazines. I love cookbooks, but I will never follow what they're saying to do. Never. Well, if you get like a Caribbean cookbook, then you go through and you're like, oh, look at that. They do this in, in some elements of Caribbean cooking. Or what is that spice? Ooh, how can I use that? I just take it as a suggestion. I'm like, well, that's nice. I'm going to do it this way. It's like when I was in college, I don't want to dwell on this. I knew this. We'll just say this person. They had one recipe. It was like a Hawaiian spare rib thing with the teriyaki glaze and the pineapple and probably completely unauthentic. Welcome to the world of the white suburbs. Anyways, that was so completely foreign to everything else they cooked. That was their peculiarity. Whereas I think for you, you want to bring it into yourself. I'm willing to, to bring aspects into aspects of myself, but you bring things into your whole self, which is, in my mind, that's very different than how I deal with it because I compartmentalize. You know, the way I speak to a coworker is by its very nature different to how I speak to my children. It just is. I can't and so do there's, that. There's, exactly, and you can't do that. The way you speak to a coworker would be the same as how you would speak to your children. Yes. So that is different. Now, the question is, is are we playing to your peculiarity or mine? Don't know. Because I'm, I believe I'm completely sane and rational, folks, even if I'm not. But you are. You're very level-headed. Or level. I can play one on TV. I can play the level-headed person on TV. I mean, that's, that's, that's the trick, right? Well, you're very consistent. See, she went from level-headed to consistent, folks. But that's what it is. It's consistency, right? Right. Like Cary Grant, consistent playing of this one particular kind of character that he knows his fans God, well. and great, too. This week, I, I, I re-saw To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, my God. He is brilliant. That was Cary Grant? I want to say. No. Uh-oh. So, sorry, Cary. Was it Cary Grant? <laughs> you know Hold what? on. No. I did. We're going to have to find out. Oh, my God. If you want to pause, I can find out. Okay. I wouldn't hit pause. Uh, I would say one, two, three, four, five. I'll be right back. Okay. By the way, our time is at 55 or 56.
right. I am right. I Son know. Son of a biscuit. Gregory Peck, though, still great actor. Of course, but I know my Cary Grant. <sighs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Black and white dude. Because I was about to say. Straight shooter. Cary Grant. No. I was about to say, that is not the Cary Grant <laughs> that I'm comfortable watching. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it is an uncomfortable movie to watch for sure. Right. Cary Grant is, I think, in my mind, the epitome of... Um, you know what are the movies that I like? Only romantic comedy. Where he starred with Doris Day. That was not Cary Grant. You don't know Cary Grant. Dang! Oh, you're right. It oh wasn't. my God, honey. Never mind. Let me. Cary Grant is mine. Okay, just don't say anything because that that was not Cary Grant. <sighs> God. Okay. Okay, folks. Fawn was right. Fawn was right. Oh, what? God, that pains me. Oh my goodness. That is a rarity to have those words coming out of your mouth. Wow. Thank you, God. Must be a brand new day. I'm going to have to work much harder and make sure I never have to say that you again. You know what it is? I oh, think it's painful. We just went into the age of Aquarius. Maybe that has shifted. <sighs> Maybe that causes the husband to say, Fawn, you are right. I am right. Anyway, so how do we, what do we do? What do, what do we do with this knowledge of the peculiar? Right. No, no, no. And that, that's a great point. You know, do we strive to hide our peculiarities the way no. I tend to? Do you really hide? I do. Oh, honey. I do. Terrible. I bite my tongue sometimes in meetings because I know people are unwilling to come along for my ride at this point. And I know I can probably guide on one-on-one -on -one conversations, but in a group environment, I have to put out a paragraph where they expect a sentence and I can't do it. And I won't do, you know, do it. Okay. I think this is stemming from, please forgive me out there. Don't lambast me for what I'm about to say. But this stems from education and our education system because that you can't be yourself you have to bite your tongue to do why that's how we're raised in schools you can't have your own ideas you can't veer off to this topic you have to sit right here you have to look right here you have to memorize this right here and this is it it goes from how we're taught history it's this point of view this is it memorize these dates this is what happened no what really happened you're, I'm not just going with your perspective. No, I'm going to veer over here and look over here and ask this person what happened. Do you know what I mean? That is what is messed up. And that to me in, is uneducated. And it's the product of this ignorance. And I think we all need to be scholars. And if you're a true scholar, you're going to look at something that does not make sense to you and be open enough to look at it and marvel in its difference and understand and try to understand what it is. But if we're all assuming and we know the word that is in that word, assume, makes an ASS out of you and me, right? Right. That's what's gotten us into trouble. So when you look at someone and they're peculiar enough with the judgment enough with the tearing them off of their pedestal stool or whatever it is mm -hmm. 
Become a scholar with your friends. Become a scholar for your human fellow brother and sister. And just look and study. No, and again, you're right. I would say, for me, the trick is always with the group. One-on-one, I can be my authentic self. In a group environment, I have a much, much harder time because... I'm now, I've now moved away and I've moved in, I moved away from genuineness and I've moved into soundbite land. And I've talked about this before, but if you fail the soundbite test in a group, you failed. There's no talking to the mob mentality. They have their own preconceived notions and they're uncomfortable going any other way. Right. That's probably the reason why there's so many more entrepreneurs than ever before, because we're not going to go with the mob. We're going to create this thing over here. Right. Right. And, and, and that draws us back to what I said, which is it's the peculiar people who drive society forward. Right. But you're also the pioneers and you're also the ones that will deal with the fierce, unpaved road that's hard to travel on. Right. And you're paving it for the people behind you. I, I just feel like we need to come together and support one another. If you are a fellow peculiar person, let me know. Please, I need to hear from you. Especially if you know how you're peculiar. We'd like to know. I don't know how I'm peculiar. I'm just normal for me. I need you to tell me how I'm peculiar because I still don't right. understand. what well, What's everyone's problem with me? <laughs> what's your deal? What is your problem? You know what I mean? Well, movie hitch. Be the real you. But... Not too much. Oh my God. Bit, right? See, that's messed they up. They want to know who you are, but not all at once. Sure. Not all at once. That's what I'm trying to say is we are so unaccustomed to hanging out together and for real away from the media, social media and away from the computer. We don't know about that yet. So yeah, not all at once. We're not, we, we've been in a cave in a dark cave for so long. You can't handle the light when you get out. So yeah, I understand. Not all at once. Folks, send me an email. I need fellow peculiar people. And send us a review. Please, on iTunes, leave us a review. Let's continue this conversation. We're going to... We're going to be we're going to be on this one for a minute. We are. I mean, this is the whole point of friendship. This is the whole movement. This is the, the crux of it all is talking about this kind of thing. We're going to smooth it out everybody thank you for listening and i'm gonna spend some time looking at carrie grant talk about feel good movies right there all right everybody talk to you next week be well bye bye bye